I, are we just like putting off talking about this one? I think is it so. too emotional? I, th- I think this is going to be, gonna gonna be, be so I don't want to like get too ahead of ourselves, but I feel like this is going to be a deep episode. Oh, it's going to, there's going to be a lot of darkness in this episode. This is going to be dark. It's going to be, be dark, dark and it's not going to be funny and everyone should just turn it off <laughs> right now. <laughs> as soon as we say the most, the first revealing thing about ourselves and how we related to this movie, just like, go listen to the daily. Go listen think, to something else. Honestly, I'm glad this movie is straight because thank God this wasn't a realistic portrayal of a gay man growing up because otherwise oh, it'd be girl. super, everything would be embarrassing. Yeah, it would have been Sky Ferrer. Everything's embarrassing, Mama. It truly would be. It would be so bad. It'd be Ugh. so bad. Ugh. Just switch Ugh. out, like, the lingerie for, like, looking at, like, men's underwear ads. Oh, my God. At, or, like, going to JCPenney, like, hey, Mom, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, you're like, and then you, like, go to the section with the underwear. Mm. Oh, my God. And as a budding foot fetishist, the sock section. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wow, we haven't started talking about it yet. I'm just already <laughs> revealing so many things about myself. And now came talk. Talk, talk. Welcome back, guys. We're back. Hi, Hi. we're Tan. Rattan. We have a Chicago accent now. We ate lots of hot dog. No, I didn't eat any hot dog. I, I ate one hot one dog. Was, I good. had one Chicago hot dog, and it was pretty good. We had an Italian beef sandwich in the airport, and it tasted like shit. Oh my! I I have to say this. I sorry Chicago, but I feel like most of the food I had on the trip was like bad. Like the first day, I like got vegetarian at this place called Handlebar. That was super good. Mm-hmm. And then my friends, uh, my old friends took us out to dinner, and that was really good, too. But then afterwards, we were just lost, and Land. we did not choose well. No. Nope. Bad. Bad. I'm going to, whenever we move there, I'm bringing, I will have hot sauce in my bag of swag. Hot sauce. Oh, my God, Dylan, the lack of flavor. Where's the fl- Even salt, girl. Y'all, salt. Put is, some salt on your food. Salt on your food. Chicago. 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 Put some salt on your goddamn food. Put it. It's not that hard. It was weird. And everything was really sweet there. Like, I feel like everything I had, like, had, like, a sweetness to it. And I was like, It's that Midwestern sugar, baby. They love sugar there. They love sugar. Yeah. Like, I I feel like when I asked for a black Americano at a coffee shop, they were, like, a little, like, what? (laughs) We went to the fucking... Starbucks Reserve, that like five story ass Starbucks in the middle of downtown. Of course you fucking did. Took an hour and a half, spent sixty dollars there for Starbucks, and it was fine. Uh, yeah, because that's Starbucks. <laughs> the definition of fine. Definition of fine. Speaking of the definition of fine, welcome to Straight People Movies. Um, <laughs> no, we're more than fine. We're great. Well, yeah, we're great. Uh, we're, we're such great. a good. We are at we're so least popular. a seven point seven. Elisa 7.7, best pop music. Um, welcome to Straight People Movies. It's a podcast where we do gays get together once a week. We watch a movie made for straight people, and we ask the question of why. Why? I, I, I said like... this why in 1999, and this one was in 2002. Why? This one's in 2006. Why? Then your voice has to lower, though, for yeah. when you go through puberty. And this one was 2010. Why? Why? It sounded kind of like in Donnie Darko when... <laughs> The bunny's like, the world's ending, and Jake John Holly goes, why? <laughs> oh, I think we already made that joke on the dining I mean, I know episode. we've made this joke a hundred times, but whenever, whenever in Promising Young Woman, when she goes, 
What are you doing? <laughs> um, My name is Dylan Carsey. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle. And what are you doing? Um, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that movie's fine. Uh, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> we are watching... A movie today. We are watching. We already watched it. Oh, we're actually currently still watching it because it's a million fucking it. years long. It's uh, our second long, third longest movie. Um, we watched the modern day epic, Boyhood. Yeah, Boyhood. The Boyhood. the biggest smallest movie of all time. Correct. Yeah, I, I was looking at the box office and it made like fifty million dollars, and I was like, that's it. Oh yeah, I feel like. I, I feel like we have a warped perception of how well this film did. I mean, critically, mm. it did really well, obviously. Yeah. But I feel like we have a warped perception because I feel like everyone in Texas was, like, goo goo gaga over this. Because oh, it's, mommy, like, yeah. like, in those first few years, we got, like, the Tree of Life, and then we got this, and it just kind of felt like, mm-hmm. wow, like, movies set in Texas. It's, like, a thing, you know? It's back. She's back. Texas you know? is back. And now nobody cares about us anymore. No, nah, and everyone hates us. Everyone's actively violent against us. No, oh my god. While well, we, we were sorry, we have Chicago again, but like we were I just in Chicago. Chicago. Hair flip. Um, <laughs> and I noticed that when I told people that I was from Austin, it was the first city I've ever been to where people were like not excited. Like they were like actively like, "Oh, you're from Austin," and I was like, "Yeah," and they're like. Wow, shit going on in Texas right now is pretty fucked up, right? And I'm like, "Yeah, it's really fucked up. It sucks." Mm-hmm. They're like, "Yeah." I've only been to like Austin once. I'm sure it's great. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like, I don't. I'm, I'm going to go see Barty the Strange now. Uh, I'm going to. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm going to go see Ella Minus now. <laughs> no, literally, the, a guy at Kelly Lee Owens was like, he was like in a band and he was like, I never tour the South. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, girl, <laughs> like, fine. Have fun. Cool. That's cool. Because I was cool. like, oh, Kelly never tours the South because she's from the UK. And he goes, well, I never tour the South either. Was it one of the guys in Yaysayer or something? Yeah, maybe. It probably was. He probably was in some like old Vanguard Pitchfork Best New Music band that I mm-hmm. that no one cares about. He anymore. was he was the drummer for My Brightest Diamond or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, so I was like, oh, sorry, I never had the privilege. To so yeah, that was kind of annoying. Time. But in 2014, people gave a shit because of about Boyhood. Because of Boyhood and Girl. I don't. I don't even know how to begin with this movie. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's I mean, a lot. we are a little older than the yes. main character, but we're like we're like Miss Lorelai's age. We're like we're yeah. that age group. I think yeah. I think um, we are in the in the ballpark. Of... But but close enough to feel mm-hmm. it to feel it, it, not the fantasy, the reality, yeah. darling. The, mm-hmm. the ver- verisimilitude, darling. Oh, it was too much. It's too much. It's too much. The movie is too much to handle. I cried. Immediately, and it's also <laughs> just proof that when you make a movie and you're trying to make it really of this moment, mm-hmm. you've got to jam pack it with mm-hmm. the things that are going on in the world because it is so disarming to watch something where it's not trying to be 2001. It just was. Yes, and he captured it in a way that's disturbing. Yes, he it like is. knew to like show a Game Boy. He knew to show Halo. He knew to drop Shell mm-hmm. Crow soaking up the sun because that was mm-hmm. a great song that came out around that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really a really bizarre experience, especially more now. I would say mm-hmm. than it was when I first saw it. Something I remember whenever um, I brought to our movie club, I brought Catfish. Yeah, and that felt the same as watching Boyhood, and there's similar ways of just like how it captured the moment, where it's like. 
I feel like when movies capture the past, it's very like that 70s show where it's like it's the biggest, everything it's like references or it's like no people were just like living. And that's kind of how, and it, the more you're able to capture like just living, the more like accurate it is than actually just like your memory of the thing is different from the thing. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. And I feel like that's what is disturbing about watching Boyhood is that you're like, oh, this is what it felt like when we were yeah, kids. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. Like, and, and even like the conversations, like the, what's so cool, obviously, everyone I'm assuming knows that's listening, knows mm-hmm. how Boyhood was made, which is mm-hmm. that Rich Linklater met up with the same cast and crew every few di- a few days, every like summer, every year mm-hmm. and made a movie over 12 years. Um, and there's just something about the dialogue, how the characters act, it, the way they dress. It just mm-hmm. it is a true time capsule in a way that I don't think we've experienced really before. Cause especially because I feel like 2000s movies, like when you think of like your 13s, you know, like movies that were trying to capture the, mm-hmm. the coming of age experience, they were still like color corrected to hell and like maybe a little too MySpace, a little, maybe a little too much yeah. limited to Claire's realness, you know? Yes. Well, I feel like <laughs> this was actually lived and felt authentic. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, this is what it felt like. I, the movie like kind of just breezes over the whole emo thing. Yeah. Which I really it's, appreciated, actually. Yes, honestly, yeah, a movie, but that not the hair. They kept boy. the hair. Oh, they kept the hair. Ooh, there was some hair. Here, let's go ahead and let's do the recap real quick. Yeah, we're already let's yeah. dive in, baby. Let's we're dive gonna, in. We need to dive. We need to dive. Okay, so in case you hadn't figured it out already, we are talking today about Boyhood. It's the 2014 coming of age epic directed by Richard Linklater, starring Eller Coltrane, Patricia Arquette. Ethan Hawke and Lorelai Linklater because we love mm-hmm. what nepotism baby we love it um, the film filmed over 13 years follows Mason a typical boy growing up in Texas and is actually just a documentary about Dylan and Kirk yes yeah correct uh-huh. and it's currently available to stream on Amazon and on the Criterion channel currently mm-hmm. as of and it has a beautiful today. Blu-ray um, release oh on yeah Criterion on, on well, Criterion yeah yeah yes absolutely it's got a Criterion release two disc it's beautiful that's what I watched on loved it I just want to throw out my big thing about this movie okay and I don't know I'm not like crying I'm just breathing in um, oh my god I, Dylan and um, shut the fuck um, up and no but uh, so I think there was a big like criticism around boyhood about it being very it is very white it is very male centric and it's very I've been seeing tweets of like where's girlhood and like where's gayhood or whatever I don't care. <laughs> I yeah, want that. Yeah. Because I still saw so much of myself in this movie because it's universal. I agree. To a certain extent. And to a I certain ha- extent. I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. I feel like the problem when you want to make a girlhood or a gayhood is then you're trying too hard to make a girlhood uh-huh. or a gayhood. And one thing, and it sucks, and I recognize it's unfair, the one thing about making a movie about a straight white male is that because it's so the standard and because it is the universal character mm-hmm. that we've seen on screen a million times is it is a little easier to siphon a lot of different emotions and feelings and experiences mm-hmm. into one character setting, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I feel like if you make gayhood, for example... Then you're trying too hard to be like, we have to make a movie about the gay experience. It needs to be the, Mm -hmm. like, ultimate gay experience movie. Mm -hmm. And then it usually falls short, in my opinion, like Love, Simon and other movies of that ilk. So I feel like, for me, like, like, for example, boyhood, like, single mother, right? Mm -hmm. Divorced parents. I didn't experience that. Okay. Mm -hmm. My parents were together until I was 16. I grew up in an affluent neighborhood. And so my life was very different. 
than the characters in this movie, but I still related so much to the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just feel like I if you try to make a gay hood, then it's like you're trying too hard to make it for gay people. And then everyone else is going to be like, well, this movie's not for me. And it's like, well, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not what we want. It's a movie. I think the movie's really smart and it makes Mason a very blank character. In totally. Because if Mason was more, Mason is in it, but he's silent pretty much. And it's oh, like yeah. toward the, like the last act of the movie where he kind of starts, they start talking more. Um, and so you're able to project yourself onto it. Like, totally. I had, I actually had a really similar, <laughs> a really similar time or growing up than uh, Mason in the movie. Um, you know, single mom, then kind of married into a fill in the blank and then divorce. And then it was sort of about, well, then I left Austin to go f- pursue photography. <laughs> right <laughs> to go to Austin or whatever. Grew up kind of in Southeast Texas. I'm not in Houston, but I did spend a lot of time in Houston. Uh, like that scene in the movie where they go to Minute Maid Park, I was like, oh, like this is like my childhood. Like we would go, it would be a big trip. We'd go watch the baseball game. Like whenever you see the train, you be, it's even in the background, like the train with all the oranges go across because Minute Maid home. Yeah, game. yeah. I've been, I, I went to a couple games with my dad. Too, so that was... <laughs> and, yeah. And like everything is so specific in this movie. I don't know if it's like specific to Texas or anything like that, but like it felt so Texan to me. Like, the only thing that felt like it felt very Texas to me. And then the only thing in the movie that felt like very like Texas to outsiders of Texas was whenever uh, Mason gets the gun. from. Oh, I thought that scene was so brilliant. I love that, that, scene. that, that sequence where they go visit his dad's new wife's family and they're like mm-hmm. super country, super, Christian, and then you're just like kind of trying to vibe the whole time, even if your parents are yep. maybe more secular, like mine were mm-hmm. uh, growing up. And you just kind of like, and I feel like a lot of people would watch that scene maybe that aren't from the South and think like, oh, this is a little strange. And I'm like, that's that's what it's like growing up in mm-hmm. Texas. Like, even if your family, like your immediate family, is a little bit more like with it or like more city folk types. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have extended family. You're going to have people yeah. in your life that are like living that true Texas lifestyle mm-hmm. and you're around it and it's not weird to you because you grow up with it. So it's like, I don't know about you, but like, it's like when I go visit my extended family, it's like an accent starts coming out. Like you yep. realize that you oh, are a yeah. Southern boy, you know, mm-hmm. even if you're like listening to pitchfork playlists and live in a city <laughs> and are trying to be like, not that, but you yeah, will always be your, that. You're talking to your cousin you haven't seen in 10 years. You're like, you know who I just saw down in Chicago? I saw Bart T. Strange, and I'm telling you, he's going to be the future. He's going to be the you're future gonna hear him on music. The radio. I, swear, I swear to it. I swear to God. I swear to it. I swear to God. I swear to um, God. He's going to be yeah, the future. So it's, it's a really cool movie. I think it does a great job of juggling being universal enough, but still having this very specific experience. I, I will say mm-hmm. that the first half of the movie, when Mason is more blank, and it's more about younger childhood. I think it mm-hmm. hit it hit harder mm-hmm. for me. It and then when hit. we started getting into the teenage years, that's when I started like, yeah, I could relate to Mason's whole journey of like not knowing what he wants to do. And like, he's like, I don't want to be like a sheeple, man. I just want to go do shrooms mm-hmm. and hike with my friends in yeah. Big Bend. You know, I get it. I get it. I was like that too. It's a little cringy for me to yeah. see that now, but it's realistic. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it just felt, it got a little too... I don't know. There's something about like Eller's performance where I feel like he, like they just kind of like check out a little bit for me personally, like in the second half. Yeah. Oh yeah. But also teenage boys are like, I don't emote. So, you know, like I get it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think the good crossing point of the movie, like the word, I think where the movie kind of pivots is whenever Mason goes with his friends to like the abandoned, not abandoned. House, I love that scene. Built. I love that scene. Yes, I that was that, a really good scene. That scene feel that is, I have been there, Mama. Oh yeah. Everyone oh yeah. Everyone has been there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I was, yeah. I was breathtaking. What a great scene. It's a great scene, but then there's other weird scenes where like when is like photography teacher is like trying to like talk sense into him and no i've had that exact conversation with the photography teacher (laughs) i mean i guess i just i don't know i feel like i feel like link later does a really good job in the first half of being very objective about Mm -hmm. i just think that once like mason takes center stage a little bit more and he's more of like the actual main character of this movie Mm -hmm. It just gets a little, like, simultaneously, I feel like Eller's putting in their perspective mm-hmm. on the character, while Linklater's also dadding it all up, being like, yeah. I know better. And it has this weird tone to me, where yeah. it feels like it's trying to be authentic to the teenage experience, but also being a little like, uh, 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 but mm. I know better, though. And it, th- it threw me off a little bit. I think there's a reason, and this is no tea, no shade, I think there's a reason that Eller didn't get any acting nominations for anything in this movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's not much of They're a character great. there. I, I actually liked Mason more when he was just like a little Star Wars and Harry Potter nerd. I feel mm. like oh my God, that was very universal. That dad. was really smart. And it really, but it does, I will say this big picture though, it goes to show that when you're younger, mm-hmm. you're kind of more like, oh, we all love Harry Potter. We all love Star Wars. And we're all like, just mm-hmm. kind of like little nerds playing video games. And then when yeah. you get into your teenage years is when you start kind of branching off and you really get more niche and, mm-hmm. and you, you find your way. I think that maybe what threw me off about Mason is that he's, since he's a straight man, maybe this is what it is, is he just felt a little bit more confident in who he mm-hmm. was than I mm-hmm. felt at that age. So he's very like, oh man, Facebook, eh, stealing our identities, this and that, and he's all, and he's like <laughs> yeah. always like mansplaining to his girlfriend. I'm like, that's probably how sixteen year old teenage boys really act. But I yeah. feel like I wasn't like that because I was just so like trying so hard to not be a faggot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was just my main goal. <laughs> yes. Main goal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't be gay. Stop. Don't be gay. Don't you know. It. It's bad. So it's, I think it's that's. Good. So I think for I me, that's, that's just a personal stuff. thing. I know other yeah. people. Mostly straight men, but other guys and, and women, too, and, and non-binary folks, I guess, as well, that probably, like, they, they love this movie um, and really relate to it, um, despite the fact that there's certain thing, directions the movie goes in that maybe aren't as, like, quote, relatable to everybody. Yeah. I mean, the movie's, like, seven hours long, so, like, you can just kind of take and choose what does and doesn't work for you. Yeah. Still. But that yeah. was that was my that was my issue with it overall. I feel like the first half, mm. it's, like, scene after scene after scene. I'm like, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. The whole subplot with the, like crazy stepdad oh my god was amazing i didn't have to experience that but i had so many friends mm-hmm. that have experienced like i feel like millenn- it's a very millennial experience yes. to do the whole like brady bunch thing you know where uh-huh. you like grow up with another family for years and mm-hmm. i know a couple of friends where it's like you have these brothers and sisters for like years and then your stepdad stepmom whatever ends up being a fucking psycho and then you never see these step siblings that you essentially yeah. grew up with ever again and it's like it's insane. I can't even, like, imagine that. That must be horrifying. Like, these I, are, like, um, essentially your brothers and sisters at this point, and then you just never see them again. I had a kind of opposite reaction. Uh, not reaction. Uh, experience recent, relatively recently. Um, okay, so I don't know who my real dad is, whatever. I, I literally don't care, and, like, we'll never find out. Um, and a couple years ago, someone found me on Facebook and was like, hi, I think we have the same dad. And I was like. What? And I was like. 
don't care and just leave the message and fully just like ignored them. Oh my like, god. I, I was like I I was like I like don't want to engage. Like I'm already like I'm like I'm busy. <laughs> like I don't have the time to engage with like a new very emotionally depth relationship with someone who I have, don't have any relation with. Oh, and, like, I absolutely. just like don't care. I was like I, I just like don't care. I was like I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean I feel like I after seeing secrets and lies it's like <laughs> <laughs> No, ma'am. No, I just, no like, it I sounds like a lot. It sounds like yeah, a, a lot to take on. And I was, I fully was just like, I don't want to know who you are. And no, like nothing. It, it's the exact same thing as like if a stranger just said to me. It's like we have no relationship. We have no nothing in common. <laughs> I think it's hard or, or easier for gay people to have that thought mm-hmm. process about family and kinship. Yeah. Because it's so ingrained in our culture. And even though, like, you're close with your mom and I'm close with my parents, it's like you mm-hmm. still feel this kind of, like, sense of when you meet, like, other people out in this world, especially other gay people. Like, I don't want to sound like that Rina Sawayama song, Chosen Family, because that song's gay as mm-hmm. fuck. But yeah, it's it kind of like that. It's, it's We understand that family and friendship. And also, like, growing up, too, like, I didn't have abusive parents or anything, but I had friends who did. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like your mom is a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, get yeah. away from her. You know, <laughs> get a job. Get like, away yeah, her. it's blood, but fuck that yeah. shit. You know. And maybe people are listening to this and think that that's cruel or maybe a little too simplistic. But I just seen so many people hurt by family, mm-hmm. and I feel like gay people especially have this attitude towards it, where it's like if it's not serving you, if it doesn't make you feel good, if it doesn't make you feel accepted, loved, et cetera, et cetera. Then like, mm-hmm. fuck that shit. You yeah, know. Get it out. So. There's no re- Truly, I have no connection. I could, uh, um, and I think also what Boyhood does really well, like in life, depending on life, is just people do disappear like that, like yeah. that vanishes, and like your dad's weird roommates. Like you just you meet these people for one scene in your life, and they're gone. Yeah, and, like, that's cool. and it'll feel like that even if you meet them multiple times. It probably feels mm-hmm. more like Boyhood, where it is just one time. You know, yeah, the I mean, one time like, that they made an impression on you. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, that's one of the details I liked about the film, too, is, like, the friends go in and out. By the end of, like, mm-hmm. high school for Mason, I'm like, I can't tell if these guys are hanging out with are the same boys from the abandoned mm-hmm. house earlier. They mm-hmm. might be. They might not be. It, it just seemed irrelevant, which it is. It is. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes into Ethan Hawke's really – I think – I thought it was annoying that it was about some girl, but, like, I get it. Straight people need, like, everything to be filtered through, like <laughs> – understanding yeah. females but yeah. um but i liked i liked his, the sentiment of like people are gonna come and go people like you just gotta concentrate on you and just do you mm-hmm. and then people will line up you know mm-hmm. and i agreed with that sentiment yeah. and um and i hope mason is able to take that into heart earlier than i did because i think it took me a long time to realize yep. that sort of stuff oh, about yeah. myself you know well gay people have uh, a delayed adolescence oh totally we totally do i feel very immature for my age most people yeah. when they meet me think i'm like 26 years old and mm-hmm. i probably Every do have the I'm mind like... of a 26 year old oh yeah same you know i'm yeah. just like now in the last like year or two getting my shit together yeah same you know yeah, i'm still not have... even all the way there yet no i'm married i don't feel anything different like i feel like a child yeah it's weird it is so um, weird i hate being old um it's terrible uh <laughs> speaking of old what's your, how do you feel about richard linklater in general, I feel like Richard Linklater is this, has a similar career to like Steven Soderbergh, mm-hmm. where it, there's a lot 
of hits, a lot of misses, mm-hmm. very prolific filmography, but you can mm-hmm. always tell it's a movie made by him. Yes. No yes. matter what direction he goes in, no matter what weirdo fast food nation realness he's giving us, mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah. you can tell it's a film by Linklater. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the dialogue that's the giveaway, right? Yeah. It's his style of dialogue. It's like naturalistic, but it's like, it's like wise, intellectual, everyday people. Like mm-hmm. people that you would just meet on the street, but then there's this like wisdom to them. He like gives them this intellectual aspect that doesn't feel unrealistic. It, mm-hmm. I feel like he actually gives voice to everyday people mm-hmm. and makes oh, you realize yeah. like, oh, these folks like have just as much to say or think as a fucking like rich celebrity in Hollywood does in all of the fucking movies that we watch, you know? Yeah. I mean, he encapsulates like the, what's supposed to be the spirit of Austin, which is fully dead now, fully stomped out, totally blown out of just like some dude that can just be a weirdo and make it. Totally. What are some of your favorite Linklater films? I mean, I love school of rock. School of rock might be like his best movie. Oh yeah. It is. (laughs) I think it's like in a school of rock is it's everything that makes him so good. It's such a loving movie. It's such a beautiful movie. It, like it treats children really well. I it agree. Gives them an intelligence. I love School of Rock. I think School um, of Rock is a masterpiece. I think it's the I greatest, <laughs> the greatest film made for like that age group ever made. Like a mm-hmm. preteen movie. It's incredible. Mike White wrote it. We stand Mike White. Oh that yeah, bitch. Gay legend. If you haven't watched Enlightened recently. <laughs> but recently or at all. Yeah. Right. Like no one watched it. So. No one watched it. <laughs> all all hundred thousand people that watched it a week was me. <laughs> It was me and like the my Matrix style TV screens, um, and I love Bernie. Bernie is really fun. Bernie's a very um, fun movie. I love Slacker. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Slacker, as are all film school students that go to UT. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what my favorite film by him though is? What is A, a Scanner Darkly? Bitch, I that's a movie bit. I that is a film. Theme. That's a film. And what was cool about a Scanner Darkly at the time is every actor in that movie was having like a career suicide moment. Mm-hmm. So like Keanu Reeves had kind of fallen off. Winona Ryder had been fallen off. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson, Robert Downey Jr. hadn't done Iron Man yet. So he was still just drug fueled Robert mm-hmm. Downey Jr. And he got all these people together and he made a fucking psychotic Philip K. Dick adaptation. Uh, mm-hmm. With rotoscope technology, beautiful, and it's a million times better than Waking Life, even though I do like that movie. Waking Life is fun, um, although I'll, I won't get this out. Whatever, my favorite part of Waking Life is Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> he's the best yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think Linklater's a really interesting director. Um, yeah. I think it's really the, cool to like watch Boyhood and like think about the other movies he was making at the time mm-hmm. that he was doing certain scenes in Boyhood. Yeah, and so wondering doing, if like any of that kind of was like filtering so like through into boyhood on by waking life. He's waking, working on waking life and boyhood at the same time. He starts those at the same time. Yeah, and then he did like crazy. Bad News Bears and School of Rock, and was doing all these like kids movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then, then yeah, he was like going through his weirdo phase, like Scanner Darkly, Fast Food Nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He's a very very interesting person. I love him. We didn't even bring up the Before series. Oh yeah. I'm already like on the edge right now. <laughs> I like, I like, I've only seen Before Sunrise, but I've never had a desire to watch the rest of them. And I truly think that like, if Boyhood is the, is truly like got universal qualities, I would say Before Sunrise 
the only re- I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. I'm sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. The only reason why people like Before Sunrise is that it's just so disarming to watch a man and a woman have like an actual conversation <laughs> with each other on film. Like it's yeah. just like straight people are like, oh my god, like this is how I talk to my girlfriend or my wife, and it's like, yeah. That's how little of that there is in movies for people to see. Yeah. So you're just excited that, like, a man and a woman can, like, talk to each other normally. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's possible. You weirdos. Yeah, it's fucking bizarre. It's bizarre. And so when I watched it, I was like, okay, cool. It's like a cool movie, I guess. It's romantic, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's what it is. I think that's all, like, why people like it. I love all of them. Um, Before Sunset is my favorite. The second one. Um, incredible. Incredible movies. Um, I need to... I need to rewatch those and rewatch Marriage Story now that now that I'm married. And, oh my uh, god! Need to ruin my life. See, this is where me and you just don't align. <laughs> is this it's like talky, like these like talky relationship movies? Uh, yes. The only I one it. I claim is Closer. Closer so fucking. Good. <laughs> Closer is so fucking Close. good, dude. When <laughs> yeah. she says it tastes like yours, but sweeter. Sweeter. That is the meanest thing anyone's ever said to somebody else in the history of the world. Beautiful. I love it. Um, I want to talk about like Texas and movies. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I think this is a really good capture of Texas, even though it's not like in West Texas. You know, it isn't Boyhood and Marfa. Which is I feel I feel like so many Texas movies like he Richard Linklater is the only person that gets Texas like right. I agree. I think everyone else like fetishizes it too much. Mm-hmm. It's like I love No Country for Old Men, in like other like movies that really like do the whole like West Texas thing. Yeah. Um. But like it's in service right to like the kind of movie they're trying to make. I feel like yeah. I like the Tree of Life for me personally, mm-hmm. even though it's set in the fifties. I think. I feel like mm-hmm. that movie captures Texas the best of any movie I've ever yeah. seen in terms of like how beautiful it can be. Um, there's a really amazing scene at Barton Springs in the movie, mm-hmm. which was really cool to see where I think like a kid almost drowns or does drown. Yeah. So um, every day at Barton Springs, you know, just like every day at Barton Springs and I'm um, sorry, Barton Springs. I love you. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think League later captures it best. I think slacker yeah. captures Austin better than any other movie that's ever mm-hmm. been filmed here. Um, I feel like you we know, were the moment. We were the moment for a little bit, Dylan, because it's like Whip It was filmed here. Girl, and um, like, a lot of movies uh, like had to support this, the like, girls. Support the girls. I mean, that's a little later, I guess. But yeah, yeah. And you can't really tell it's filmed here. Yeah, it it has mm-hmm. kind of an anonymous quality to it. Yeah, but I feel like um, a lot of movies for a little bit were like really into being. That's what's so weird to me about like Austin being this like big city everyone wants to move to now because I feel like mm-hmm. that moment was ten years ago. Yeah. So you're all just late to the party. Yeah. It's weird. And the party's been going on too long and it's time to go. Yeah. Girl, it's like 4 a.m. I have work tomorrow. I got to open. Yeah, I got to open. Get out out of my house. Uh, My my favorite Texas movie is Best Little Whorehouse in Texas because that feels like it captures the spirit of what Texas is supposed to be. The the grand theory of Texas. Yeah. But like, it's like only a theory. Like, it's not ever going to (laughs) happen. It's It's like the promise. I would say my two piece the two pieces of texas media that i think are the most important are the friday night lights tv show girl for capturing small town texas um Mm. in a way that's so realistic it like hurts to watch um and the suburbs by arcade fire for me the suburban nights of texas Mm -hmm. i feel like the lyrics and the themes of the suburbs album really capture what it's like that's why there's like a suburb outside a city in texas there's three songs from the suburbs in this movie i know he knew he knew. He oh, fucking yeah. knew. And it's the three. I mean, 
Sprawl 2 wouldn't make any damn sense in this movie. Even oh, I love that they chose Dark Blue. That's one of the best songs on the record. Dark Blue's great. Um, Suburban as War the, is as incredible. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack of the movie is so The soundtrack good. of the movie is the Girl. best soundtrack ever. I will ever. say that the incessant needle drops in the first 10 minutes was a little extra. Oh, yeah. It's a little... Uh, it's like yeah. every two seconds there's a new needle drop. Opens up with yellow. Then she's singing, oops, I did it again. Then we got Anthem. Then we got Suck Up the Sun. Then we got Try Again in the Bowling Alley. Oh, yeah. They played Aaliyah's Try Again. Yep. Damn, he really, like, the budget must have all just gone to the music. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, all of it must have just gone to the soundtrack. It's insane. Um, It's really cool. I feel like the cuts that he chooses because he was, I'm assuming, choosing the cuts back in 2001 and not mm -hmm. 10 years after the fact, I feel like. I feel like the needle drops are such an important part of the film because it, I think it really helps ground it in that authenticity we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're not choosing something like that everyone else would have associated with 2001 now, mm-hmm. but you're choosing something right then and there that made sense. Yeah, like I think the most two biggest examples of that are that specific remix of Crank That. Yeah, so before. good. So good. And then Crazy by Norris Barkley, which is a song that, it still lives in 2006 but and nowhere else. It's uh, that might be the most ubiquitous song ever made. Yeah. And it's just when was the last time you heard it? No, it never like it doesn't but then when it comes on the radio you're like god damn what a great song. What a perfect song the song is. So good. Like, was that again. in the greatest songs by Rolling Stone? I, it has to be, right? Girl, that, that list, list is, was garbage. That list. That list was garbage. They're, everyone on the internet, all the boomers are mad because there's not, a, like, they, like, put too much too modern stuff. And I'm like, girl, there's still too much old shit on here. There mm-hmm. does not need to be fucking 20 Bob Dylan songs on here. No. The, yeah. No. Um, so, let me look, actually. Is it in the... Let's see. Critical. All I know um, is I'm Like a Bird by Nelly Furtado was not on there, and Sail by AWOL Nation was not on there, so therefore. <laughs> oh, and Freak on a Leash by Korn wasn't on there, so it's not It's not the right. It's not correct. Uh, you're not on TikTok. Never mind. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Looks, oh, no. It was on the original list. They took it off. Yeah, that's bullshit. Insanity. And I Ooh. love her. But Lord being number 40 for Royals is insane. Oh, number 30. Oh, that's insane. That's number insane. 30. Yeah. I am very... The best thing about that list is that the newest song is at number 20 and it's Dancing on My Own. Oh, yeah. I loved that. That, that deserved be to be one. as high as it was. <laughs> that should be number one. Yeah. And I loved it that there was a lot of Miss Elliot on the list. Because uh, yeah, correct. Incredible. Yeah. Never... Um, Tell you that one time I was at HEB, um, it was right after ACL, and I ran into a friend of mine. He was like, oh, we saw you on the screen at ACL. I was like, oh, cool, doing what? And he was like, doing Robin, you were sobbing. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, great. Good to know. Um, Yeah, I sure was. I was uncontrollably sobbing. Yeah, that was was such a great show. I was just, I lost my mind. Um, Such a good show. Such a good show. We haven't talked a lot at all about Patricia. Oh, my God. Oh Mama. Patty. Okay. It's so crazy to think that while she was filming Medium, she was doing this movie. <laughs> That's why she has her insane haircut in the middle of it. Oh, my God. That girl. We'll talk more so, about her later. We'll talk about, but we got it. We have it. In this her movie. performance in this movie is mm-hmm. so good it's that so good. I believe that... 
she went from some being some like hippie mom with long hair and a flowing mm-hmm. skirt to being like Miss Professor Mama mm-hmm. in 12 years. It's just, it's so cool because her character goes through so many changes, but mm-hmm. you never lose a sense of her identity as a person, yes. even though none of the characters in the movie, outside of Ethan Hawke's character, mm-hmm. really, has mm-hmm. a really strong, like, character. Yeah. Like, Patricia Patricia Arquette's character mm-hmm. changes a lot, but I still feel like I knew who she was, even if she yeah. wasn't, like, a capital C character. Yes. I you promise, know? I'm gonna, I know it's so corny, and I'm trying to cry saying this, but... She's such a good actor in it because you can tell in the scenes where in the segment of the movie where she's married to the professor and he's really strict and there's scenes where she's trying to be strict, but you can see that she doesn't want to do this. Yeah. But she has to. And I related so much to <laughs> like seeing seeing like your mom like not be your mom is very hard and she does it very hard to see and she right. does it so well. And it's so heartbreaking to watch her do that. And I fucking adore her. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I feel like the strongest scenes in the movie for me as well, were those scenes were like, especially the scenes were like, I really wish that Mason ended up being gay. Honestly. Me too. I mean, I'm glad that like soft boys have him. Cause I guess they mm-hmm. need representation too. Yes. So I, cause I, you know, I, I had just like, I had male friends growing up that dealt with being bullied from, their parents and from mm-hmm. kids at school for being like feminine because they were like artsy or whatever. And they ended up not oh, being the gay. scene whenever the third dad, the third, third stepdad is like talk, calling him out as bad as uh, nails. Oh yeah. Like, oh fuck girl. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that shit's real. Cause like my friends experienced that, but at the same time, it's like, I experienced that to a certain mm-hmm. degree too. And I'm sure you did too. And it's like, mm-hmm. I never really got to have the whole stepdad thing. Thankfully. And my stepdad is a really good guy and he's like a total goofball and like, like loves that I'm gay. I think he's like very like, yes, love it. Um, But (laughs) I did have like a, a, a a classic mom's boyfriend post-divorce. And I remember he like had opinions about the way we were being raised and the way we would like talk to our mom. (laughs) And, you know, like there was not really a lot of like censorship growing up. My mom was very like freedom of speech, so like mm-hmm. we said fuck this shit that like we were yeah. like we just talked to her like she was like our friend you know and Love it. we had a very like she's my best friend like relationship <laughs> like most gay men you know of course and um but i remembered like other especially male figures like being very like taken aback by that kind of relationship mm-hmm. that i would have with my mother being very like disturbed by it and then being disturbed by like how feminine i was and how that was like yeah. completely accepted like that my mom like actually encouraged it like she liked it you know i love that so it's just so those scenes really hit Mm -hmm. you know because like he's kind of bullying him and then his mom kind of like is trying so hard to like be in the middle i remember seeing my mom in those positions like you said and being kind of like oh i don't like that you're doing this i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna disengage i'm gonna be like okay why don't you go get some water why don't you here uh, can you go grab this for me from the laundry room like you're just Mm -hmm. gonna completely just stop the conversation yep. from happening, you know? <laughs> classic mom behavior. And it is. It is classic mom behavior. And she is, like, such a mom in the movie, like, a real mom. I feel like it might be the most realistic mom in yes. a movie ever. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, I sent you a, a picture of Wiley Coyote walking off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, with the line, I just thought there was supposed to be more. Oh, God. That scene is so heartbreaking. Scene, 
it is like <laughs> I feel like that's how my cold. mom was when I I I mean my sister mm-hmm. left for sure like to a degree it was like you like spend your entire this entire portion of your life like raising your kids to like be functioning adults and then you get that empty nest syndrome and it's just mm-hmm. like devastating I love the the first scene in the movie that she's talking and she's she you can see she loves being with her kids and she's like well I don't fucking I can't do anything else and like it that's a beautiful mirror with the final scene in the movie where she's like I don't know what to do now it's beautiful right. I love it she's so incredible in this movie I've, it's unreal she deserved her Oscar she deserved her Oscar it's one of the few Oscars that I tend to disagree with all of them that I mm-hmm. think was deserved <laughs> yes um, but I I, don't, do... I I think out of the nominees this year I do think Boyhood should have won Best Picture over it should have it was Burn a man yeah, which is a, a real bad a real bad Best Picture um. Let's go that year. So it, the nominees, it was Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Uh, terrible, awful movie winning Best Picture. American Sniper, an awful movie, although it's so fucking hot in the beginning whenever he's like exercising in the mud. Oh my fucking Christ. Crush me with your giant thighs. Uh, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which we've already talked about how it's neither one of our <laughs> favorite Wes Andersons. Right. Uh, the Imitation Game, which is unwatchable, <laughs> you yeah. might say. Selma, which is very good. Um, I still th- I like I like her documentary work more than her narrative work, but it's fine. Um, the Theory of Everything, which is actually unwatchable, and then Whiplash, which is fine. Yeah, which it is very been good. It should have been very, Boyhood. I would yeah. say that most like film nerds would say Whiplash deserved to win, but gotta, I liked I liked day? Whiplash a lot. But I feel like it's like I know this sounds like really gay to say, but I feel like it's like a dangerous movie. Like, I feel like it's, like, <laughs> themes and, like, what it's trying to say is, like, not what men need to hear. No. Like, that's not, like, don't, no. no. Boyhood is what men should hear, which is, like, the women in your life are right. <laughs> but you gotta agree, though, that, like, outside of Patricia Arquette's character, like. <laughs> Lorelai rules. I love okay. her. Okay. Like, no, no, I, I, she's fine in the movie. She plays the role perfectly fine. I, I think for me, like. The lady with the fedora and the guitar playing Pink Floyd at the party. I can't okay, that was everything. Um, I don't know. I just feel like the way... I just really hated the storyline with him and his like little high school girlfriend. I know it was like realistic, uh, yeah. and it's like, I guess this is how like straight people talk to each other, but I just like hated every single one of their scenes, and it was like yeah. cringy to watch. Yeah. But maybe that was the point. Was it supposed to be cringy? It's real cr- high school's cringy. It is cringy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Patricia Arquette was definitely like, set up to win this Oscar because, I mean, a she steamrolled the entire season. She wasn't gonna, she wasn't not gonna win. But it was Laura Dern and Wild. Who, if you haven't seen Wild, that's where Laura Dern plays Reese Witherspoon's mom. Okay, that's weird. Um, it's very weird. Uh, Keira Knightley in The Imitation Game. Uh, I fully forgot she was in that movie, even though she's essentially the female lead of that movie. Uh, Emma Stone with her big ass eyes and Birdman, <laughs> and then Meryl Streep in Into the Woods, which I also forgot she was in. Yeah, there was no way. There was no, no way. way. No way. No way. She was going to win. Yeah, this was a year where it was like, the people who were going to win were going to win. Like, Eddie Redmayne, Julianne Moore, J.K. Simmons, they were going to win. Although, how much of a fucking server would it be if Rosamund Pike won Best, Pick, won best Actress? <laughs> For Gone Girl? Yeah. Oh, that would have been so sick. That would have been major. <laughs> Yeah, she's so good. That would have been that would have been a win for the gays for sure. Yeah, she's such a fucking weirdo. I love her. Um, speaking of weirdos, why do straight people like this movie? Straight I mean, people, 
Straight people really love this movie. I feel mm-hmm. like when I've criticized this movie in front of straight people that really like this movie, they get very upset with me. And also this gay in person. Yeah, and you. <laughs> also me. Notice, everyone notice how anytime I've criticized Boyhood so far, Dylan just kind of just doesn't say anything about it. <laughs> He's just kind of like quiet. He's like real I'm just, quiet. I'm just like, Because he just I'm doesn't want to hear it. And that's okay. I, I get it. Hear. I'm like that with a, like Magnolia. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. But my way of dealing with criticism of movies I'm obsessed with is like, you could just be like, here's a problem with Magnolia. And I'd be like, that's what makes it great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, actually, that's good. Yeah. They're like, that's a good thing. Like when Spring Breakers gets brought up and they're like, this movie mm-hmm. is garbage. I'm like, yes, it's beautiful Correct. garbage. When Julianne Moore is screaming in the pharmacy, that's art. Yes. Oh, no, it is absolutely art. That's People be like, her performance of that is so bad. And I'm like, it's so good, right? <laughs> It's so bad, it's good, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. straight people are very precious about this movie because I think that, well, I think that straight people are very precious about coming-of-age movies. And this is, like, mm-hmm. the ultimate. Oh, yeah, all the classic, like, your, uh, what's, the, what's the first movie? What am I thinking of? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Foreigner Blows. There we go. Stand by me. My um, girl. My girl. My girl's gay. <laughs> my girl's so gay. My girl's so fucking um, gay. I feel like Armageddon. my favorite... I, I, I don't know if you can like, classify these as coming-of-age movies, but I feel like my favorite movie's about children. Mm-hmm. And you know this because I brought one of them to the movie mm-hmm. club one time. But I feel like Ooh. I prefer coming-of-age movies about the loss of like innocence. Mm-hmm. So, like, I love kids. But kids is not even about the loss of innocence. Honey, innocence, had a innocence is on a train... <laughs> Innocence left. Yeah. Innocence left. Gone. Yeah, she clocked out for the day. She, she clocked gone. out for the – yeah, and I love kids. <laughs> I think kids is a perfect film because even though I didn't grow up like that in a city, um, I related to the sense of full-on naive gusto towards yeah. destruction. Um yeah. And 13 is another one of my favorite coming of age movies too, for that exact reason. I just feel like, I, so I feel like maybe boyhood. I love, I really liked the movie. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably one of my favorite, favorite movies we've watched for this podcast. Yeah. But I feel <clears> like for me, what's always missing is that I need that sense of destruction. Cause I was a destructive yeah. kid. Um, so I'm always going to relate more to stories about kids that are just like, get doing fucked up shit for attention, honey, <laughs> just like me. <laughs> Whenever you watch Mean Creek and those kids fucking murk Drake and or Josh, yeah, you love it. No, I do. I do love it. And um, spoiler for Mean Creek. Sorry, um, it, like sorry. anyone's gonna watch that movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, coming of age movies. I feel straight. like straight, very straight, very straight. Especially if nothing really happens and they're just vibing. Oh yeah. If at the end of the movie they go every what is what is what is the last line of the movie? It's like every day you're just living in the moment, man. Or Dude, whatever. I I'm so sorry, but that last scene that is last scene is not horrible. Great. It's horrible. It, let's be real. It should have ended with him driving out to Austin. It should have been full on six feet under. See ya, breathe me. Oh yeah, it, they should have done a yeah. whole sequence of the entire <laughs> movie that we just watched. Like yeah, in time lapse. Uh, yes. What if they did a six feet under ending where it was everyone dying? Like how would Ethan Hawke die? I feel like he like would chew like poisonous straw. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Ethan the, is so hot in this movie, by the way. When he has a fucking mustache, I want. Actually, we're talking about it in a later segment. We will talk about it. Um, Ethan, well, speaking of Ethan Hawke, this is our second Ethan Hawke movie. 
Oh my god, Ethan Hawke is like the ultimate. What I liked though about his character is he was like the fuck up dad character, mm-hmm. but like in a real way where it's like I feel like movies overdo the fucked up dad thing, mm-hmm. like the fucked up absent father thing, and I feel like he was an absent father. Mm-hmm. But you could tell he loved his kids. He was just confused. He was immature. Mm-hmm. Could have been a better guy, but he was still a good guy. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that is, like, an actual, like, for most people. Not that some people don't have really fucked up dads. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But I feel like for a lot of people, that's more the story. Yeah. You know, I mean, when like, someone's in and out of the picture like that. That's how people are. Like, people are complicated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Lo like, and behold. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Patricia Arquette. Like, also, she's, like, yes, she is a really good mom. She's taking care of them. She's doing well. But she makes a bunch of, she makes fuck, fucked up decisions. And like, yeah, like her taste in men. men. Her taste in men are all terrible, even though they do get progressively hotter. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that last guy. I can't Ooh. believe that she listened to that, like, ex soldier talk about, like, how he didn't, like, kill Iraqis. Like, he deserves mm-hmm. a medal or for something for not killing people. And then like, she's like, obsessed I'm with Gatorade. Marry him. We're going to fucking, right. we're going to buy a house together. Ring on that. Let's ring on that. <laughs> oh, God. That's Oh, also, also the like, Obama Biden shit was so corny. So funny. <laughs> so so corny. Funny. But so I was talking funny. about it with his dudes. Like people were really like jacked up about people that were shit. Like that. Yeah. So it was it, it was a real time capsule for that whole yeah. moment. So uh, But it was corny. Very corny. Um oh fuck I was gonna say. Uh, well even like okay. I I'm I i do not know this is like controversial or whatever, but I think even like the last dad of the last dad. <laughs> um the last name dad. The last daddy. Um, but I think even he's kind of portrayed... I think the only person that's not portrayed sensitively is the middle dad who is oh, awful as yeah. garbage. And he should be in jail. But the last dad, even like when he sort of has an outburst, you can tell that it's like he is someone who is A, like probably PTSD from being overseas. B, is like knows he's like this these people's like third father. And is also like has a shitty job, and it, like he's there's a reason for him to be in like so much pain. Right, I agree. I I and, like I felt a sense of like understanding with yeah, his character because they linger on him after like it's not even like that big of a fight. It's and it's whenever uh, uh, what's his name? Whenever Mason comes home really late, and right? He's like you're not my dad. And he's like, yeah. You mean when Mason comes that. home and Eller gave up on acting? For the yeah. Rest of the movie? <laughs> yeah. He he. Uh, they left the acting in the truck. <laughs> Didn't pick it back up. Oh, sorry to anyone who's friends with Eller. That's sorry, Eller. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, you, what did you put here? Um, oh, Eller? terrible romantic subplots, which is basically what we were talking about. Yeah, terrible. We were already talking They're about it. just like, They're just bad. like, all bad. All oh, romantic. so bad. Everything romantic in this movie is bad. It's so bad. It would have been nice to see. No, I mean Ethan really loved his new wife. Yeah. Oh, that was. Oh. And she want she wanted to bring, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. Cooper as a baby name, good baby name. Oh, such a cute baby name. Not such great when they name. get older, but great when they're no. Cute. Yeah. Oh my god, there's somebody in the fucking challenge this season who just had a baby, who named it. Um, let's see where did named it Crew. Aw, Crew. Your baby's name is Crew, like a like a boat. Like you crew a boat. Like a crew on a boat. Like a, like a crew of, yeah, servers of Applebee's. <laughs> um, yes, his name is Crew. Good for Crew. Um, I think there's some gay stuff in this movie. There's quite a, a gay few stuff. gay things about this movie, actually. Most informa- for first and foremost is Patricia Clark 
Patricia Clarkson. I almost said it. Oh my god. I almost said Patricia Clarkson earlier too. It's so hard because she is the Patricia to me. Sorry. Yeah. She's the, we got two, there's Patricia Heaton. Sorry, girl. You, <laughs> you don't even bitch. make the list. Don't even make a get your no. Uh, but Patricia Arquette's all of her wigs are iconic. I don't think they're wigs. I think they're her hair. Uh, but specifically when she looks like Sia in the middle of the movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Work, bitch. Work. She's like, I'm a professor now. I'm chopping mm-hmm. all my hair off, bitch. <laughs> I'm going to swing from the chandeliers, my ma. Um, there's a lot of Gaga in this movie. Relatively a lot. There are two Gaga scenes in this movie. Yep. Um, and they're both great. Uh, there's a scene where they're driving in the van, and uh, Ethan Honk's new wife is like, "Do you? Does your mom want you to watch this?" And oh my god, that was video. so funny. That shit <laughs> it's like, was now so you like the horniest part of that video. It's like oh, for, that video's not even. She's like jail, jail. Your mom let you know about jail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then she's like, "I, I heard Gaga's playing in Houston." Oh, I wonder. Do you, let me see if I can. I will. Cut You're like you want to know if there's if it's accurate. I want to know what show it would have been. Let's see. So this is okay. So this has been like two thousand. So it was like two thousand ten or eleven. So yeah. Let us find this. Oh, cut maybe out. nine actually. So it was for telephone. So it would have been for Monster Ball. So it would have been. Was she coming to Houston? Where would she have played? Let's see. God, this is a big ass. We're coming. We're getting there. Oklahoma. She played two nights at the Toyota Center. Ooh. In April? In July. July 2010. Uh, movie lied. <sighs> yeah. The movie lied. Unla- no, yeah. She was, yeah. And that, mm-hmm. The, Richard Linklater, I will find you. Next time I go to AFS to watch In the Mood for Love, I will find you. <laughs> and I will yell at you. Um, okay. But, so this is what I was saying about earlier about Ethan Hawke being hot. Ethan Hawke has a mustache in the last half of the movie. Hot. Incredibly hot. Ethan Hawke chewing straw. Hot. We'll talk about getting baptized. Hot. The new boyfriend, the prison guard one. Hot. Oh, oof. Ooh. Oof. With that beard. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What if they kissed me? What if they fucked me? What if they kissed each other? What if they kissed each other? And I just watched. I don't even want to take my clothes off. I just want to watch. They don't have to know I'm there. <laughs> uh, they're beautiful. They're both beautiful. Ethan's so fucking hot. I love him. He's so sexy. He's so sexy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> let it let it sit. Let it marinate. Just yeah, think. Just, mm. Let us think. Yeah. What else is gay about this movie? Um, <laughs> I think that the gay the gayest thing about this movie is that I've read and know just from knowing things. Mm-hmm. Um that Lorelai Linklater like really wanted to be in the movie because she really wanted to be an actress when she was a little kid. And mm-hmm. about halfway through the movie, she was like, I'm over this shit. <laughs> so they like started cutting her out of the movie and you can like Hell tell yeah. that in the second half, she's like barely in it. Mm-hmm. Like even when she's still in high school and like not gone off to college yet, she's like barely in the movie. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's, I, that is queen behavior. Miss mm-hmm. Lorelai. I know we've only met briefly a couple of times. We never really gotten to talk, but I just want to let you know if you listen to this that I think that is iconic behavior. It's iconic. That you were just like, you know what, Dad? Mm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to be in this anymore. I'm going to hang out with my friends at the Continental Club. Yeah, okay. That, okay. I'm sorry. That's the straightest thing about the movie. I'm sorry. Rick, honey, listen, Mm -hmm. baby boy, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. Girl. 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 You couldn't, girl. 
You have a teenage daughter who lives in Austin while you're filming this movie. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have. I'm sure. Maybe she was just embarrassed and she didn't want you to know. That's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but Honey Bunch. When teenagers go to Austin to go to shows over the weekend, hell, when college students go to Austin, hell, like shows, adults. they go to co-op shows, honey. They go to house mm-hmm. shows. They mm-hmm. they go to the east side. They don't go to the Continental Club, girl. Their, their shows start at like 6 p.m. Yeah. Think we're going to go see Dale Watson? Girl, you know who goes to the Continental Club? My dad. And you know why? Because their shows are early. He goes, <laughs> He. this is a quote from my father. He goes, I like going down to the Continental Club because, you know, you can you can go get yourself an appetizer, go see yourself a show, see you get some <laughs> blues rock show. And, so, and you're in bed by 9 p.m. You're in bed sure. by 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Oh, I mean, that's like, okay, so at Levitation this year, uh, Arv, uh, Aruj Afjab is playing 7 p.m. 7 p.m. church. I mean, Ooh. I get it. Like, I'm starting, like, when I see a 7 p.m. show, my nipples get hard. But, like, <laughs> when you're 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No. Like, oh. I'm sorry. Like, I, I have, I, Rick, Rick, girl, you girl. need to re edit that part of the movie. Yeah. It is so, dis- as someone that lives in Austin, it is the most distracting part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Yeah. They're going to the Owl in 2011. That's where they're fucking going. That is, oh, my girl. Girl, the content. The Owl. The. I I never been to the owl. What's the owl? Uh, it was like two or three years that it was open, and then it was just they stopped it. But it was that's where you go see all the fucking house shows. Did you ever go to Chain fucking... Drive? Girl, Change, we're, Chain we're at the drive? point where like I no one remembers the Chain Drive. It's just like me and you. That is the darkest, saddest thing I've ever heard in my entire because Chain Drive is this. The thing with Chain Drive is whenever it closed down, it also got struck by lightning <laughs> and burned down because God was like, nothing can be here. Yeah. No, it was fucked up. It was, it was fucked, fucked up. up. Um, who was yeah. I talking to that they were saying, like, I went to Chain Drive and there was somebody who had, like, big, like, firefighter boots and they had people just <laughs> pee in them so they could just have their boots filled with piss. That is absolutely disgusting, and I hate it's everything disgusting. you just I said. Fucking love a chain drive. It was incredible. What an iconic place. It was iconic, though. It was. Ugh. Went on a date there <laughs> once with a guy wearing like leather and chain stuff. I didn't know going to the date that he was into that sort of stuff. So oh, I was no. like, I don't want to mention that. If I wasn't like that, I'd be I am vanilla. Mm-hmm. Harnesses are hot, though. <laughs> I mean, they they look hot. Oh, they're hot. They look hot. But They're they seem hot. like they get very sweaty during sex, and I'm not into that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't need like to be that. more sweaty. I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to wear a harness. I want to wear that thing in Batman and Robin that Bane has that she hits to make him more muscular. I want one. Of, I want that. I want the venom. How do I? We'll get, get that you harness? one, Dylan. Thank you, darling. Thirty first birthday. Oh, thank you. That'll be in five years. Um, um, another gay thing about this movie is that Eller Coltrane also seemingly uh, also uh, doesn't give a shit about halfway through the movie anymore. Yeah, they're like, I'm good. Like, so iconic. Like, I feel like for most of the movie, they're just very, like, I'm acting. I'm in it. And then you can tell about, like, halfway through that Eller's like, I don't know if I'm in this acting thing anymore. As That's much. fine. Yeah, um, fine. I'm just going to, like, vibe. Yeah, I'm just going to coast through these, these dramatic scenes. I'm just going to vibe. Yeah. I'm going to listen to all the suburb songs that only have Wynn singing. Yep. Yep. Regine, I don't need her. I don't need Regine. Like, literally, like, Patricia Arquette's, like, literally winning an Oscar in front of your face. And you're like... Mom, don't be upset. <laughs> I don't want this picture. I'm sorry. I'm being so mean. You need to cut all this stuff out. No, I'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> you need to cut all this I'm out. I'm leaving all of it in. I'll take it out. It's fine. <laughs> ah!
Uh, no, I'm sorry. I know I, Eller. I know that they've continued acting since then. I'm sure that they've renewed their passion. But I, 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 I wonder if they would disagree with me on this. That like I feel mm-hmm. like about halfway through to the end of the movie, they were a little like, eh. they're over it. Yeah, they're kind of over it. Which I mean makes sense. It's like you're going to like the same summer camp every single summer for like 12 years. I know. God, I'd be bored. It's a lot. Shit. But I think oh that's iconic. Like, and also taking 12 years to make a movie is gay. Oh, girl. If you're you're gonna be. Honestly, finishing it is straight. Taking 12 years to do a thing and then, like, not even being done with it, that's gay. That's gay. That, actually, I think that might be the gayest thing we've said so far about anything. The gayest <laughs> thing in the world is starting a project that goes on for years and years and never complete it. Never complete it. That, oh, you yeah. know who started that? Arthur Russell, mama. Mm-hmm. The original queen how, how of not finishing finding, things. How do they keep finding new Arthur Russell music? No, literally, well, apparently he literally made thousands of hours of music. Oh, okay. I watched a documentary about him recently. Oh, cute. Look at that. It's not like Pop Smoke where they're just like putting together interview quotes now to make songs and like oh, God, tweets. No. It's dark. dark. And it's cool because Arthur Russell made like all different kinds of music too. So they just like mm-hmm. make like a compilation of like a, a, a total vibe of just one specific kind of thing that they I were doing. Or he was doing. Um, yeah. yeah. I hope that whenever I die, people don't go through my, my jokes folder on my phone. That's like I have a really long joke about Reba McIntyre. I hope they don't ever find that. I want Bar- to read that. You're Bury me with my phone. <laughs> so I, in my tomb, in my sarcophagus that I'm requesting, all of my electronics go with me. I don't want to risk anything leaking. I'm I'm going to personally make sure all your shit leaks. Because <laughs> I'm fake. <laughs> You're going to keep all the weird one-sided recordings I have of straight people movies <laughs> in the yep. drive. <laughs> yep. Uh, love it. All right. Well, speaking of straight people movies, that's the podcast that we're on. And we like to do this thing at the end where we recommend a gay movie. I was like, if you're watching this movie and you're like, this is too straight, let's watch a gay one. We got you. There's only one obvious answer to it, and it's Lady Bird. Yep. It's Lady Bird. Lady Bird, actually, I did, you know, I kind of for, like didn't even make that connection, but I actually feel like I related more to Lady Bird than I did mm-hmm. with Boyhood when I watched it. Yeah. Like, I feel like her whole, like, <laughs> I'm weird, I'm extroverted, <laughs> but I also don't know who I am. Mm, and I'm going to lie about who I am all the time to seem cooler. Mm-hmm. I related a lot to that. Related <laughs> way too much to her character. It was kind of fucked up. Was your favorite song also Crash Into Me by... Honestly, it was. The Andy. first time I fingered a girl in eighth grade <laughs> was while listening to Dave Matthews Band. This is not... I'm not making this up. This is a fact. <laughs> I have uh, I have dived out of the screen. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think I've probably mentioned it on the pod before, but... um. In case you're this is you're new to me as a person uh, mm-hmm. or new to the podcast, um, I notoriously tried a very hard to be straight, mm-hmm. probably more than a lot of gay men in my age group. I don't know why my parents both did not care. Um, <laughs> no one in my life really cared either when I came out. Um, I think I just really was trying to prove it was for me. Mm-hmm. It was for me. Yeah, I, mean, I really, really, really wanted podcast. to like vagina a lot, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. But yeah, I did finger girl to Dave Matthews Band, which is probably the straightest thing anyone could ever do, and it still didn't work. Mm-hmm. So didn't work. Nope. Maybe mm-hmm. I added a couple more years onto, into being straight. Yeah. Then you discover this podcast, and you join this, and episode nine. When you oh yeah, I, 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 oh y'all don't know. I came, I came out as gay right before we filmed the first episode. Yeah, so. uh-huh. it was like the only ones I can be hold pause in the recording of the podcast real quick. I had to do something. I was supposed to be the straight counterpart. Like the uh-huh. whole idea like. originally for the podcast was like Dylan's gay, I'm straight. We're like arguing about straight people movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then yeah. I was like, well, I already fucking watched Drive, so yeah. And then I sucked a dick, and then it was just over <laughs> for me. So yeah. <laughs> 
beautiful. So all street men out there, if you're listening, if you do suck a dick, it will turn you gay. It will turn you gay. I'm it sorry. will. You're right. You're correct. It, That's it, exactly how it works. So. And it's delicious. Yeah, and it's so good. Yeah, but it's Ladybird. It's the gay one. Um, watch it. It's fucking incredible. It's not. I mean, I love Ladybird so much, but like, fucking. Little Women is Greta Gerwig's masterpiece. Oh, it's, Little Women's a perfect movie. So. Put it in the Library of Congress. It's uh, Little Women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, from, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. No, if you go, I was going to no, say, just think of that movie. It gave me chills. Oh, yeah. That movie is like a warm hug that lasts like two hours. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I went to recommend a movie that's probably not like necessarily like gay, but it's like artsy and no one cares about it. So it technically is, I guess, gay for that reason. And that movie is a little film called George Washington by David Gordon Green. It is a mm-hmm. coming of age movie about a bunch of like um, kids that live in like a really small, decrepit town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and they just like get into some fucked up shit and vibe and, and kiss and are confused and are young and don't know what the fuck's happening because they're young and don't understand. And that's what coming of age movies are all about, except mm-hmm. that uh, the movie like basically has no plot and it's really vibey. So perfect. Check it out. It's by David Gordon Green, who later did Pan- Pineapple Express and the new Halloween movies. But he used to make mm-hmm. little artsy movies, little artsy indies, little oh, Sundance, some Sundance fair, if you will. Little Sundance, little me and Earl in the Dying little, Girl. Little IFC realness. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is an IFC film. This is an uh, IFC film. Oh, yeah. Is it, this is our first. This will be our only IFC film. <laughs> yeah, because everything else they do. I mean, this is probably like one of the gayer straight people. I mean, it's still straight people movie through and through, but it's still one of the gayer ones we've done for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Could we do any? Um. We can't do E2 Mama Tambien. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Hanny, that, mo- that movie might have mm-hmm. been what did it for me. Because I watched that movie before <laughs> it real. came out. And when they kissed, I – sorry to spoil the movie, everyone. Um, I, it was It was truly one of the most beautiful, <laughs> hottest – sexiest moments of my Girl, entire life. What an incredible fucking movie. I don't think I'll ever have sex as good as I felt when I saw that <laughs> kiss for the first time. Oh, it's the hottest kiss in movie history. Mm-hmm. Um, could we do the wind that shakes the barley? <laughs> I mean, no. would anyone, I mean, would anyone, we would have zero listeners, zero listeners. Yeah, I don't think we can do any of these fucking movies. Shit. Oh, Pontypool. No, we can't do that. Yeah, we can't do any fucking... Yeah, sorry. This is the only ISC movie we'll ever... Oh, no. We could actually do brief interviews with the hideous men. No oh, one no, listened to no it. No one would also listen to that one. I think no one listened to it. Oh, God. Um, What about... Um, 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 um. What about the human centipede? Okay, no, girl. Okay. No, <laughs> let's not do that to ourselves. We are What about adults. the Joan Rivers documentary? <laughs> You answered your own question. In her skin. Oh, no, I'm thinking of under the skin. Okay, this is enough. This is, that. yeah. It's enough it's of that. We're ending this movie. We're into this movie. We're into this. This movie. Oh, is... I was really hoping that this episode would be as long as Boyhood. Yeah, we're just going to sit in silence. In the we next should hour record and a half. this podcast uh, bit by bit every day That's until <laughs> the end of the year. That is what friend of the pod Jason Pollard said when I said we're recording on Boyhood. He said just do ten minutes at a time. That'd be that would have been really good, but we're not. We yeah, we're Jason, you're brilliant. But yeah, we're, brilliant. we're we, yeah. No, 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 we didn't do it. Well, speaking of Jason, we love you. Um, that's the end of the episode. Um, yeah. We're wrap up. Yeah. My name.
This is so much fun. I love this episode. Yeah. I, I love, love it too. Podcast. Me too. I can't wait for whatever nightmare shit we watch next. Oh, yeah. This is a great 30th episode. Now we need oh, to go yeah, back to watching episode. bad movies. Although, I think... I'll cut this out if you disagree, but... Um, Next, the next episode will start in October, and we will we should be doing horror movies all of October. Hell Our yeah! Forced, I, ha- Hell I yeah. have a plan. I'll 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 conduct with you off air. Uh, hmm. My name is Dylan Garcy. You can find me on Instagram and Letterbox at Garcied and Twitter at Dylan Garcy. Um, yeah. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at K R K V N S C K L E. I did just make my shit request only. Mm-hmm. She's so you know she's a secret i'll probably just say yes if you add me though yeah, just add me i just like yeah. i want to be a teacher and they probably oh, won't hire me after they listen to this podcast but <laughs> change your name you're in kirk cameron or something yeah yeah <laughs> there you go Perfect. hi i'm kirk cameron with a k um cool we love you so much we'll see you next week i don't want to be a how does that song? I already forgot this. I just I've had I've had yellow stuck in my head since I watched the uh, movie. Girl, girl, look at Coldplay's the so good. Spots. Look how they look shine on you. What's your Coldplay song? My Coldplay song? Yeah. What's your favorite? Oh my god, that's such a great question. Um, I feel like I have to say this answer only because. Um, I'm about to get really sad. I'm so sorry, but I'm just going to say time. it. Okay. I had a friend who died last year who was a really close oh. friend of mine in high school, mm-hmm. and her favorite band was Coldplay. Okay. And her favorite song was Warning Sign. Taste. Yeah. It's a great Taste. song, and um, I listened to it a lot after she passed, like, to remember mm. her, and so now oh. I feel like it's, like, forever got to be my favorite Coldplay song. I love that. Yes. Yeah, like, what a... And and I feel like now no more Coldplay. I just I decided in her spirit no more Coldplay slander for the rest of my life. So now yeah. I have nothing to, nice things to say about Coldplay because I used to give her so much shit about yeah. she liked Coldplay. <laughs> I think I think there was a, a resurgence bubbling under. It is. It's happening. It was when that Pitchfork thing came out to vote, and I like put X and Y in my top ten of the of the past twenty five years. You started people it. Were, it was the domino like, oh effect. God. Yeah, you're like X and Y is fucking incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She um, would agree with you. She's like, but I she mean, would say I, A Rush of Blood was her best album, which is the correct She's also not wrong. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my favorite song is probably Strawberry Swing. Oh, that's a great song. Viva great La Vida song. is their last good album. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's just... It's garbage. Yeah. Milo Chiloto is just so... That yeah. Rihanna song. Oh, my God. Yeah. The whole, like, pop era is, like, truly not abysmal. Great. Not great. Not great. Well, that's our show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love you so much. Yeah. Bye. 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 And out came talk. Talk, talk. We're back, babies. Hey, whores. Hi, sluts. Oh. How was your pitchfork? It was great. A little bit. It was great. Yeah, we we only saw each other a little bit. Yeah. As what happens when you go to a a festival. Exactly. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I think the coolest thing about the festival was I didn't realize until like day two that it was like a very female centric Mm -hmm. festival lineup. Uh, Because I don't see gender, of course. Of course Um, not. 
But I, I, I thought it was really cool that all the headliners were women and that, like, I would say the majority of the acts were women. Yeah, those Mariah, the Scientist, Waxahachie, Kelly Lee Owens, Lee Owens Angel Olsen, Baker St. Vincent, Hop Along, Hop Along, Tom Berlin, yeah, Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers. And I thought it was cool, I realized this when I got back, that two of the three headliners are from Dallas. Look at that. Oh, look at look that. Look at that. That is cool. Two Texas that queens. Is cool. Two of the weirdest people ever to come out of Dallas. <laughs> two of yeah. Dallas's biggest psychos. Yeah, love it. Love and two it. very different kinds of psychos. Very different kinds like, of Like, imagine Erica Badu and St. Vincent interacting. Oh, it's two two robots. Two weird, different design robots. Oh, no. It would be... Yeah, it would be Ex Machina. It would be both the robots. Have you seen that movie, Her Smell? I haven't seen Her Smell. It's like Her to. Smell. There we go. You should watch All Her right. Smell. I know. I need to... I just know that doesn't she sing Baby You're All That I Want? Yeah, it's yeah. such a beautiful moment. Oh, can't wait yeah, to see it. It's great. Very excited. Um, yeah, it was good. Pitchfork is fun. Chicago's really cool. We're planning on moving there now. It's so funny. I feel like maybe I just didn't get the full Chicago experience, but I like liked Chicago, but I definitely mm-hmm. don't see myself living there. Oh, gotcha. But we also stayed in like right next to Wrigley Field, so. Oh, okay, yeah. It was, we fucking were walking down Halston or whatever, and we were just like gagging all the gay bars, and we saw like a for rent sign for an apartment on that street, and it was the same as what we're paying now. And I was like, I fucking hate Austin. Yeah, so we need much. to get out of here. We need, Austin's, we absolutely yeah. need to get out of here. This Austin's city, a nightmare. honestly, this city has sucked for probably like seven years now. I don't know mm-hmm. why we're still here. I no idea. Like, like <laughs> watching. I Boyhood, truly like, like don't know what it. this city has to offer anyone anymore. There's nothing. It has nothing to say. Like the music scene's dying. The film scene's bad. I mean, two... Fantastic Fest is down the sh- shit this year. Yeah, they the cool festivals are gone. Mm-hmm. We're just left with South by an ACL. Yeah, there we go. And oh, my God. Speaking oh and the two of, video like, stores closed down. So it's like, yep, what's the, there's nothing what's left. The point? Like speaking of like what Austin, I think what Austin has become is indicative of the festival, which was Danny Brown's set, because he's a big. Stop! I saw your tweet. That was hateful. That was hateful language. It was embarrassing. No, it was bad. It was so (laughs) bad. But as a Danny Brown fan, I thought it was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just like got sucked into the nouveau comedy scene of Austin because he's like. I guess so. He's been hanging out with Joe Rogan too much. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, girl, like this is. When I saw you in 2016 and I saw you in 2013, Mama, it was tight. Yeah, it's really kind of fucked up that he played after Thundercat. For real. And then he did that. I know. Like, he had, like, one of, like, the sub-headlines of the whole festival, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. He he really was. (laughs) And it was just... Uh, if you if you don't know if you're listening, you weren't at Pitchfork Festa, and Denny Brown forgot the words to most of his songs. And just oh, every single them. one of every them. song he would. And I knew more of the lyrics to his Atrocity Exhibition Cuts because that's my favorite rap album of all time mm-hmm. than he did. And I think what was even more embarrassing about his set is that like everyone around me were just these like other white boys in my age group, all trying <laughs> to be like, let's mosh, and I'm like, Mom, I'm hold on to a gate. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> baby girl, we're too old for this now. Like, mm-hmm. let's just politely watch Danny Brown's show. Yeah. When <laughs> as soon as I heard the opening chords of Attack, I was like, he's not gonna make it. 
Oh, it was hard. over. This is through the fire and flames of rap songs. Like, you're going to sit there and tell me it. that you didn't think his whole bit about the air fryer wasn't funny. I was fine. It was fun. <laughs> it was, it funny. was fine. It was as a comedian. No. You're like, as a comedian, the timing wasn't right. The rhythm was off. He, there was no, where were the rules of threes there? None of it was there. Uh, it actually, was he, had, he does have really good timing. Uh, so I mean, you should have seen Kelly Lee Owens. I know I've like been barking at you about this for since I saw her. But like literally, I overheard people and the internet all agrees that she put on one of the best shows at the festival. Okay, noted. Like, literally, ever I'd go, people were like, did you see Kelly Lee Owens' set yesterday? It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I really hope they upload that shit to their website. Yeah, I think they, they are. They I think do. they are. Yeah, I feel like they only but... choose the... Re- like, they're not going to upload Danny Brown's set. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... We lost it. Sorry. And they're not going to upload St. Vincent's set just because of the jab about her score for Daddy's Home. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're not going to review her ever again now. Oh, that was so good. That was, was, it was so, so good. It was so petty. It was I so good. It. I'm going to put all of our pitchfork thoughts at the end of the episode. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put a little plug right here. If you'd like to listen to our Pitchfork thoughts, stick around. But Honey, essentially <laughs> this podcast is our thoughts on Pitchfork. Like we talk about <laughs> movies sometimes and then talk about our personal lives. And then we like talk mostly like, about Pitchfork scores. Our, our weird how we can know every score of every album ever. Oh, no. We're deranged. Oh, it's we're deranged. Awful. I felt like awkward talking about music at pitchfork fest because i didn't want everyone there to realize like what a pitchfork slut i really am because <laughs> i feel it like was, that's embarrassing yeah i i see no shame in it i love I, you know i love pitchfork yeah every, no every i mean day, if day. we were if we were around each other the whole like god chose right by like making us mm-hmm. want to see separate shows because i feel like we would have been, been insufferable insufferable been between terrible. waiting for shows I would have been like, how come every day at 145 at the Red Stage they have their best new music that they don't talk about? Yeah, mm-hmm. right? No, it's true, though. Mm-hmm. It's true. Those are my favorite sets of the day. All three 145 sets were incredible. Those Dogleg, Barty Strange, and Special Interest. Like, three beautiful Special sets. Interest was so good. They were so fucking good. They were so good. I listened to their music, though, and I didn't like love how muddle- muddled the vocals were in the mix. Mm-hmm. I understand it's industrial, but it's just like... I loved the lyrics, and you could hear the lead singer so much more live. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah, shit she's such she more was spouting live. was so fucking awesome. Yeah. And then her. on the mix on the album, it's like, sodomy and LSD. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another shot when I'm, like, in a mood to get, like, fisted in a dungeon. <laughs> so tomorrow. So, yeah. So, like, after this. Um, after this. Yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. I come over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <all right. laughs> Uh, Lordy mercy. 